Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Castro. I'm here as always with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you doing? Radio professional, Adam Castro. How are you? Well, we're both radio professionals, frankly. Oh, no, 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 no. This is, this is radio professional Adam Castor, who has various degrees from Hofstra University and is a part of the 1% who gets daily emails from the Associated Press. Please. I am very, very grateful to be in your presence today. Well, I appreciate it. I, I mean, it really does not take much to inflate my ego, but uh, it's a, it's a, you can sign up for the APAs whenever you want. It's a free account. It's very easy to sign up. All you need is an email. Well, the AP is honored to have you as someone who has various degrees and is they don't award, even know who an award-winning radio professional. <laughs> Completely forgot that, that Adam Castor wins awards here. Won one award. There's more awards than I have. It wasn't even a first-place award. It was a third-place well, award. Technically, technically, you have two awards because being a radio professional is an award. You don't get a trophy for it, but it, it, it is an award. I didn't get a trophy for this. I got a certificate. Take the certificate and light on fire. <laughs> We're only here for trophies and medals. No, you didn't you get a, a certificate? Oh, I got a certificate. No, like you get a certificate. I got a certificate, like a meaningless certificate for being in WRHU. I never got one of those. Oh. I guess you are a more valuable member of WRHU, Radio Hofstra University, than I was. I guess I was just there at the time. I guess you were there. I was just in I the guess, room. I guess WRHU was handing out really nice participation trophies. Yes, they were. They were. That's basically what they were. Oh, 100%. I mean, John was, yeah, John Mullen was just there. He's like, here, take this. It's a to make, it's, to make everybody feel more inclusive. I mean, at least I have my name on it, but like still... I didn't. It's like I didn't do anything that incredible that merited an award at that point. Anyway, Adam, you know the certificate. It's an award. You take it. All right. You statasi, statasi putan. You take your award. All right. And light it on fire <laughs> because it's a stupid piece of paper that you can wipe your ass with. Anyway. Did, so, I sound, did I sound a little New Yorker, a little Italian there? Well, considering that you, that you used a few Italian words. Statas di putan? Yeah. Well, then I went on with the, take the piece of paper, wipe your ass with it, and light it on fire. Is, yeah, that, is, I, that, more, is that more Italian for you? Is that, more, is that more New York for you? It is. Okay, good. So not like Zach Moss? Zach Moss. <laughs> Josh Allen. Anyway, uh, let's talk. Oh God, there are no players in this game I can do a good Long Island accent with. You could do it. You could do like uh, Tyler Claude. Lockett, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz. Yeah, you could. Tyler Lockett, Carlo, Carlos Hyde. Oh, Carlos Hyde. All right, we got we got a couple. We got a couple. basically anybody that's a as a car his name. It was a Miles fine Sanders. Yeah. That's definitely, that's definitely Port Washington. Yes. No, that, oh, that, that, Eagle, that Eagle's running back, Miles Sanders. That's so – oh, God, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> um, Too close yeah. to home? 
Yeah, literally. <laughs> Down the block. Um, let's talk about this game, though. This, uh, this uh, Seahawks-Eagles game. I'm surprised that this game was as close as it was. Uh, honestly, the Seahawks just couldn't get anything done. You shouldn't really. be too surprised. No, well, it's the e- no. I understand, but I mean, the e- the Eagles are terrible. But I'm surprised that the defenses played as well as they did. Out of the last three contests between these teams, have been by the score of 19 to seven. Wow. Well, they almost went through to three. Almost. Almost. Yeah. If not for one garbage time touchdown to Richard Rodgers, a prayer. Yeah. They've been they were dinking and dunking the entire game, and then when they have to throw it deep and launch a bomb, Richard Rodgers decides to come down with it. By the way, his his second Hail Mary touchdown catch of his career, the first one, of course, being the recipient of the Aaron Rodgers touchdown catch at State Farm Stadium in Arizona. Yes, the 49ers new home. Yes, the 49 the 49ers new home. Correct. Um, yeah. So I mean, this game, honestly, I mean, is a good return for Carlos Hyde, it just seems more and more like the only valuable offensive players on the Eagles are the tight ends. And it's been, and it's just a re, you know, a reanimation of an old trope. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that the receivers would have had a uh, better game than they, than they did. Jalen Rieger did not necessarily impress like I thought he would. Uh, Travis Fulgham was kept very much in check. I don't know what happened there, but yeah, to make a make a great point again that it really was the Dallas Goddard Richard Rogers show, and we said that you know if you had Dallas Goddard and you had Richard Rogers, I think that they were both pretty good plays, and Goddard ended up having a really really nice day, and Richard Rogers had a really nice day with the with the late touchdown grab. So uh, both those tight ends, if you were uh, if you were starting one of them then odds are you had a, uh, a night that you will love to remember for, uh, for, a, bit, for a while. Um, I mean, from the Seahawks' point of view, God, God was I wrong about the, the forecast of that game. I mean, DK Metcalf, looked, he just looked like a man possessed. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's actually kind of nuts. I'm surprised they didn't score a touchdown, that it was David Moore once again stealing touchdowns from DK Metcalf. I'm shocked, Adam. I'm really shocked that DK Metcalf uh, didn't score. He should have had – there were three touchdowns that were in his grill. Two of them he should have had. And that was the bomb the bomb completion down the middle of the field, and then it was the one where Darius Slay fell in the end zone, and DK Metcalf basically had it in his lap and dropped it. The other one – the other one was in the first quarter when DK Metcalf ran a slant and the inside linebacker just basically stood in the path of Russell Wilson from basically feeding him into DK for what would have been an easy, easy touchdown because he burned Darius Slay. And, you know, when I was watching the game last night, they, they actually mentioned a very interesting stat, which I found very, very, very peculiar, was the Eagles only have one corner that is over six foot, and he's their fourth corner. On their, their depth chart. Oh, my Number God. four. So you're talking DK Metcalf, who's 6'3", 6'4", going up against 5'11", Darius Slay. That should have just been light bulb. Yeah. Because Darius Slay had a rough night dealing with DK Metcalf. 
Well, I mean, I mean, Russell Wilson had the right idea. Like he, he targeted DK Metcalf 13 times, which is more than double anybody else. He loved the matchup, and I don't blame him. No, I don't blame him either. I really don't. And DK, DK had a really, really, really great night. And Lockett, who I thought was going to be the primary beneficiary of that, um, he got his looks. But at the end of the day, Russell Wilson was really looking for DK Metcalf. And then towards the end of the game, when it was basically all said and done, it was a lot of dump-offs, it was a lot of check-downs, a lot of running the ball. And Tyler Lockett Jason really didn't have much to play much of a role to play in, in, in this game. Yeah. If we, yeah, it wasn't a great game for Tyler Lockett, but I mean, this, this is kind of just what happens when one player goes off. It's seems like the other player just doesn't have a great game at all. Correct. Correct. It's, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers syndrome from last year where you had one of Evans or Godwin going off every week and the other guy would get nothing. Yeah. Like I, like I always like to say, there's only one football. There's only one football. That is correct. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, let's talk about uh, this is new because this is a show that we really haven't uh, that we haven't done in the at least in the lifespan of the Mason Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Well, do you before we go into that? Do you want yes. to talk about the suspension? I guess we could talk about the suspension, both suspensions, honestly, because another because Bradley Roby also got suspended. Right, but he's not, he's not important for our purposes. No, I, I'm aware, but you, you context. Um, yeah, uh, Will Fuller. Uh, we jinxed Will Fuller. <sighs> Will Fuller Damn. is basically out for the season. Yeah, and he's, he's, he is out for the season, and then he is out pending, of course, that the Texans don't make the playoffs, which it's still possible, but they aren't making the playoffs. If the Texans do make the playoffs, Will Fuller would technically be suspended for the first game. But yeah. if the Texans don't make the playoffs, then Will Fuller will be suspended for week one of next year following this suspension. It's terrible. It really is terrible because you're in the middle of having a career year and a contract year as well. And that's something that not a lot of people have pointed out. This was a contract year for Will Fuller when he decided to go off. And I mean, one of the worst things that could happen to a player in a contract year, yeah, is this, especially at the end of your contract year, is this right? Because then it raises doubts about what you did in your contract year. Oh, he's not getting a multi-year deal now. No way. No. No way. He's going to be signing back on a one-year deal with Houston, or he's going to be signing a one-year deal with somebody else to prove it again. Which yeah. really, really, really sucks for him because it he does. was. He was in line to be a somewhere neighborhood of fifteen million million a year receiver, with the way that he was performing, and now, now he's lucky if he gets six or seven million. Absolutely, really lucky. So not only not only do you have injury questions that are going to surround Will Fuller, you're also going to have just basic integrity questions. That is he doing this clean and. You know, his statement basically had said that he was treating something or another, an ailment that he had, and he went to see a doctor where the doctor had said this lined up with uh, PED protocol for the National Football League. He had trusted his faith in the doctor, and it ended up biting him in the ass, essentially. So it's a mistake from Will Fowler. That's a poor choice of words, considering 
what he got suspended for. True. True. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to blame Will Fuller. I don't, I don't think, I think he just trusted the wrong people. He didn't know what was going into his body. And it's very, very unfortunate for him because like I said, career year, contract year, and this happens. I mean, really, really, really sucks. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens uh, with Will Fuller in terms of his, uh, in terms of his contractual status going forward, whether it be in Houston or elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, he would have been one of the better free agents on the market, honestly. If he in in a year two where there are a lot of good receivers out there. Yeah, they like franchise caliber receivers. Yeah, Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, no, definitely. Will Fuller, Will Fuller, I don't think he would have been in that group, but in terms of like that next group, Will Fuller probably would have been at the top of that given the year that he was having. Yeah, but uh, yep, we got that. And uh, also last bit of, of news and notes, housekeeping. It's, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh and Baltimore has been postponed yet again. And also, after we talked about it on Tuesday, being on Tuesday, uh, yesterday on the review show, it was as I was editing the show, uh, the news broke that this game was postponed to Wednesday at three forty because of not only well, not only because of uh, more positive tests for Baltimore, but it's at three forty because of the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree lighting that NBC thinks is more important. I hope everybody can just feel the eye roll. They're lighting an ugly ass Christmas tree and are pushing the game back to 3:40 in the fucking afternoon. Yep. Like Oh my god. We're going to hell. We're going to hell. It's so weird. Not only is this like the first time that um Wednesday night football is ever going to happen. I think this is one of the first times that a 340 game has happened in the history of the NFL. That specific time, probably. It's very, yeah, it's very weird. Usually it's like, I'm surprised it's not like 330 or something. 320. Three o'clock. If they wanted to make it so the game doesn't bleed in, I hope the game goes to like, well, it can't go to like, Triple well, overtime. Well, here's what you do. If you don't want the game to bleed in, but you want it to be at a normal time, you make the game kick off at 4.05, and you tell the referees, hey, if there's anything that you see that could be deemed as 50-50, you don't call it. Let them play. Yeah. Or just have the game at 3. Anything that's blatant, like a face mask or a illegal block in the back or hands to the face, you call it. But anything like a little hold or a little bit of a hug or maybe a trip or anything like that, let it go. Let it go. As they say, there's holding on every play. There's holding on every play, yes. And holding is like one of the dumbest penalties in the world. No, 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 no. The dumbest penalty in the world without question, without question, without a shadow of a doubt, is neutral zone infraction when someone lines up in the Fucking neutral zone. Oh, actually, yeah, no, that is that is, that is the dumbest penalty in the world. Because it's not even all sides. Yeah, it, you lined up in the wrong spot. You're an idiot. You can't just take a look to your left or to your right, and you can't see, oh, maybe I'm a little ahead of the line here. Maybe I need to be backing up a little bit. That's just stupidity. Yeah. 
Because it's not even like yeah, you're jumping. It's the dumbest penalty in the world. Okay. Yeah. But ho- holding's weird. Holding's weird. Hold- I feel every like hold- time. Yeah. Every time I see that called, I want to pull my hair out. I feel like, honestly, holding is just there for just if a if a referee is betting on the other team and they see like a really big play. Because it is on every play. Like, are you, you know, questioning? Are you questioning the integrity of our officials? No, I'm just saying it's. I'm just making a joke. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it wouldn't, okay. wouldn't be the wouldn't be the first league to have that problem. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm sure there are no Bill Donaghy's in the NFL. Anyway, so what's your strategy for trade deadlines? How does well, that differ think- from? Well, I guess. Sorry for cutting you off, but no, how does okay. it? How does that differ from dealing with trades during the season before trade deadlines when you're just, you know, run of the mill sort of trades when you're discussing with somebody? Well, I think it comes down to a couple things. Number one, it comes down to what kind of league you are in. And I'm not talking about a standard league or a salary cap league or, or whatever. I'm talking about whether you're in a redraft or dynasty. That's really what it comes down to. And if you're in a, if you're in a redraft league, there is less of an urge for people to want to trade because of you know your team is done and your overall interest in this team is dwindling if not dead you have no attachment basically right right so for someone that is a contender slash they're already in the playoffs it is very hard to do one of these deals with someone that is on the outside looking in because it really just comes down to, well, there's nothing that can really help me in the meantime. So what am I going to do and how the hell am I going to make a trade without looking like the biggest doofus in the world? Because you know that any deal that you make is going to be put under a, a ridiculously big microscope. That's number one. Number two in this instance it is a lot easier to be doing trades with teams that are contenders in a redraft league just because those are the teams that are more into it more interested and and are more willing to hear what you will have to say versus teams that are of course out of it so that's kind of the redraft strategy that that i would have is try and see if there are players on teams that are out of it. Maybe you overpay completely just to get that kind of player because you're there for a reason, but I would avoid it if at all possible. So now we get into the dynasty keeper aspect of it. And this is where it definitely gets a bit more interesting because I had, I've had to deal with some of these deals on my own. And one of the things that I've done is you start getting creative with tactics and sort of conditions that you put into trades. So for example, what I would do is right now I'm in a conversation with an owner about potentially trading for Darren Waller. Great example. And basically the conversation that we've been having is that he's not sure if he wants to do a deal with Darren Waller because he may want to keep Darren Waller, right? Mm -hmm. So basically what I've said to him is, okay, 
So we'll put a condition in the deal where at the end of the year, when the season's over, after the last week 16 game, if you want Darren Waller, you have the option up until draft day to exercise and you get him back if you want him so you can keep him. And that's something that you can do. You start trading draft picks. You start trade, trading fab dollars if you're in fab leagues. Um, you can even start throwing around potential. If, if, you know, if you're doing something where you're determining your draft order right now, you could start throwing around draft spots, you know, to something like that. So basically well, what it comes crazy. down to, it, it, it does get crazy, but that's what, that's what keeper and dynasty leagues do. And it places a value on literally everything. And selling teams are more interested in trying to recoup assets, trying to recoup, recoup higher draft picks and, and all that sort. So it definitely is much easier to do a deal with a seller in a, in a keeper or a dynasty just because, well, they're more into it and they're looking at something down the road where, you know, what can I get for my pieces that could help me win a championship in two, three, four years? Maybe not necessarily this year when my team is three and seven, two and eight, whatever. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. That's kind of, that is fascinating because I've never really been a part of any of those kinds of uh, dynasty or keeper leagues. So it's interesting to see how, you know, kind of how the other half lives in that scenario. Cause like personally, it's much more in depth. Yes. Personally, like if I'm out of it, I'm like, why the fuck would I want to help my opponent win a championship when I'm not getting any benefit out of it in a redraft league? I mean, right. Like what, like that I'm not giving up to do that. Cause then you have situations where I remember my first league where Matt basically traded you half of his best players and you ended up winning the league. And that was in 2017. I remember that. That was a great year. Yeah. Well, basically, basically in those sort of leagues, what you could do, and I'm not promoting cheating in, in any way, but I'm here to report facts and what happens. And I know that there are many times, and I, I've been a part of them where I've seen them, where there are under the, under the table deals that are cut, where you create a deal that's fair on the surface. And this is in redraft. This is in redraft leagues only where you create a deal with someone where it's fair on the surface, you get the person interested, but the, what you do is you say, okay, if I win the league, I will give you $15, $20 of my winnings or give him their money back, let's say. So it's not a complete wash for them. I've seen that happen. And right. I, for, me, per, for me personally, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. If you could do it quietly and, and you, you know how to do it and no one is going to find out about it, I think it's brilliant. Well, it's gamesmanship is what that is, basically. Yes, yes. Look, if somebody, if somebody were to ask and say, is there any under-the-table dealings going on, and you say no, then it's cheating. But if nobody asks, you're good. Right. All about the questions that you're being asked. Yes. I I have never done that. I have never done that. I want to be upfront and say that I've never done that. But what? I have seen people do it. Yeah, you're a commissioner of too many leagues to not have seen something like that happen. Right. Right. I know, I know what happens. I of course I know what happens. You can't you can't police everything as a commission. But what you can do is say, look, I know what's going on. I know there's a deal that's being cut. Work out a deal that's fair on the surface so that way I can put it through so that way there's not going to be any bullshit that's attached and everybody could be happy. 
So if you're trading, if you're trading something like Melvin Gordon and Taysom Hill for Derrick Henry, that's not going to fly, clearly. But if you're trading something like Ezekiel Elliott and someone like, let's say, Michael Thomas, great example. Ezekiel Elliott and Michael Thomas for Derrick Henry and give me any wide receiver two you can think of under the sun. Say it's, I don't know, Chris Goblin? DJ Moore. DJ Moore. Sure. What the hell? That's a deal that I think, you know, it looks fair on the surface. They're big name players that are involved. And for the most part, everybody stays happy. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that that deal looks, doesn't look fair in my mind. But yeah, no, I get you. You don't think it does? No, well, it looks fair enough. It, I, I think it looks fair enough. Yeah. Anyway. Is it equal value? No. But is it no. fair enough? Yes. Yeah. It's not something that, what, that jumps off the page. That's right. not fair. Right. And then one more thing that I want to get into before we go into actual players and talking about values and things like that and returns. It's very important you know who you're doing business with. Because if the league sees you doing business with the league idiot, then you're going to get a bad rap. Or you're, you're rel- or a relative also. Unless you're in a family league, obviously. Uh, but like, No. It, it, well, no, I don't think so. Because it doesn't matter who – if the relative knows what they're doing, then it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter as much. But if you're doing, if you're doing business – with the guy of your friend group or whatever that's the idiot of fantasy football and doesn't know what he's doing or is just in it for a good time but doesn't really know what the hell he's doing, then guess what? You're going you're gonna to get some shit for it, and you better be prepared to take it on the chin because guess what? It kind of comes to the territory. You're doing, you're doing business with a guy that is one in ten for a reason. <laughs> yes. Well, it's so, one of those things where, yeah, you can't just take advantage of somebody – like that. That's what it is. That's what, that's what it's perceived as, is you're taking advantage. And that's when a commissioner, I think, needs to step in. And if he's going to promote the sanctity of the league, what he will have to do is basically say, look, go to the side and say, unless there is an offer that he presents that is fair in value, you are not allowed to trade with this person, which is fair. All right. So then let's just go right into quarterbacks here. And talk about players that you're willing to buy low on. Because it's, it's the old stock market adage is buy low and sell high. Yes. And um, players that you can buy low on. I mean, definitely you have a situation where there are players that have underperformed. And it happens every year where players have underperformed. Yes. Um, I mean, one player I'm thinking of that – is that has underperformed but is still has some value is Matt Stafford. Mm-hmm. He's only available. I mean, he's only rostered in six, in just under 60% of leagues. So you might not even have to trade for him, which is kind of the which is kind of fascinating. Um yeah, you may not, you may not even have to. Um the one name that that is automatically on my on my list is someone that absolutely you should be attempting to buy low on especially if you are a locked and loaded playoff team 
is Lamar Jackson, quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. That, for me, is the most simple, easiest, straightforward uh, buy low that you're going to have in fantasy at the quarterback position. I mean, you get what you get with the rushing yards. You get what you get with the touchdowns. 15 touchdowns on the year is pretty solid for Lamar Jackson. Out this week versus Pittsburgh, of course, due to COVID. But you look at his schedule the rest of the way, question marks on whether or not he will be available for the Dallas game. But I think he might be. On Tuesday, next Tuesday, he might be. He might be. Yeah, yeah. A week from t- a week from today. Yep, he might be. So let's say let's just say that he is. Let's say he's available for the Dallas game. He has Dallas, then he's at Cleveland, at home versus Jacksonville, then at home versus the Giants. And then if you're in Week 17 championships, he's at Cincinnati. That is a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic rest of the way for Lamar Jackson. I think he's a fantastic buy low for anybody who potentially is looking for uh, for quarterback help. Maybe if you're still struggling after losing Dak Prescott, maybe you've lost Drew Brees in deeper leagues. Maybe uh, you've had Tua or Joe Burrow. Maybe Carson Wentz. Had, maybe you're dealing with Carson Wentz and that nonsense. Yes, correct. So there, there are definitely plenty of options in terms of guys that you could buy low on. But for me, the best one of the bunch is Lamar Jackson. Matt Ryan is another one that I'm particularly interested in. I think he has a pretty nice schedule the rest of the way. I don't think he's of the mold of Lamar Jackson, but if you're looking for a cheap option that could potentially return nice value, Matt Ryan could be that guy at home versus New Orleans this week. Then he's at the Chargers at home versus Tampa Bay, and then he is at Kansas City in week 16. Some Middle-of-the-road pass defense is there for, for Matt Ryan, a good buy low. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is a particularly interesting one. He's had a terrific, terrific year. Um, his schedule the rest of the way is, is pretty solid. Baltimore, of course, on Wednesday. Washington at home, at Buffalo, at Cincinnati, then at home versus Indianapolis. You could even make a case, actually, for Ben Roethlisberger to be a sell high. That, that, I think, could be an interesting, interesting little discussion that we have is if do we think that Ben Roethlisberger is actually a sell high rather than a buy low? Yeah, I think one buy low that I think people who are desperate in playoff spots, that I'm surprised you didn't mention, is Kyler Murray, honestly. Well, that I was waiting for that one because I, I, I had a feeling that you were going to bring it up, and I, I, was, I was definitely waiting for that one. I think that that could be a buy low. But the problem is the owner of Kyler Murray is going to treat it as a sell high because of what he's done prior. No, I know. Well, well, I think it just depends on what the situation is with the, with the owner of Kyler Murray, where it could be where they're fighting for, they need like one more win or, or, Okay, if they need they need to win in week thirteen to get it to secure a playoff spot, mm-hmm. and they're trying to get immediate reinforcements for right. their team, and they don't want to they don't want to fuck with waiver wire or fab or whatever, and they're like, listen, just take Kyler Murray off my hands. I need some. I need another uh, serviceable quarterback option because it seems that Kyler Murray's shoulder isn't getting any better. You make a fair point. You make a very fair point, but I think. You can approach it from multiple ways, yes. Where I kind of draw the line on it, though, is at least in my experience, is when you have a difference of opinion in terms of value between owners, 
that is where the, it's basically a, it's a conversation ender, not even a starter, because you're going to have someone that's looking to acquire Kyler Murray and is saying, well, he's dealing with a shoulder injury. I don't know if I necessarily want to part with major pieces to acquire that. But then the, sub, the person that is looking to potentially deal Kyler Murray or is being asked to deal Kyler Murray is going to say, well, this is a guy that possesses, that possesses a very, very safe floor most weeks and has prior to the shoulder injury, gives you very great success in terms of using his legs to get into the end zone, is one of the safest plays in fantasy football, was averaging around 26.5 points, um, is averaging, excuse me, 26.5 points per contest, which ranks him as the number two quarterback in fantasy. So I don't even know how you could say that Kyler Murray is a buy low right now when for me, you can't buy low on Kyler Murray. I don't think there is a way that you buy low on Kyler Murray where the owner is completely okay with not getting a sizable return for someone that is as good as Kyler Murray is. Yeah, I think it just depends on what you're getting in in return. Well, here's the thing. I would say, and quarterbacks are tricky to analyze because obviously they're not important. They're not an important core position. They're not a running back or or a wide receiver. Oh, you mean for fantasy? Okay. Yeah, for fantasy. For fantasy. I was about to like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. not, Not for fantasy, of course. But- I would say if you could do a one-for-one where you're trading Kyler Murray for a James Conner, I would do that. And this is from the position of trading Kyler Murray. If you can get a James Conner, I would do it. If you can get a – and this is, of course, knowing James Conner with the COVID situation. So it might might require James Conner and Benny Snell for you to do that. If you can get Nick Chubb. Yes, if you can God, get Kareem, that'd be amazing. If you can get Kareem Hunt, yes, I would do that in a heartbeat. The interesting one where I where I kind of go back and forth on is if someone were to offer you Ezekiel Elliott for Kyler Murray. Uh, talk about two by well, Kyler Murray is an is a is a is a so so a CSC. I don't know if I would do that. Zeke is a by low. I think we'll, we'll talk about it in the running back situation, but. I don't know. I don't know if I would do that. I mean, I think that if you're dealing Kyler Murray, you'd be looking for quarterback help. Well, this is this is also operating under the assumption that you're in deep enough leagues where either one, there are plenty of quarterbacks on your waiver wire, or number two, that you have a quarterback on your bench that is ready to go. Yeah, like I know for for me, a great example is this week where I need to get a win to get into playoffs. I may not be starting Kyler Murray against the Rams. I might be starting Ryan Fitzpatrick instead against Cincinnati. Well, if Tua I mean if Tua is not is out again. If Tua is out again, correct. Yeah. But I think well also in like in the other league that you're in where you have Big Ben and Aaron Rodgers, you can trade one of, you could trade one of those players. Who Correct. A, were both probably sell highs for uh, for pieces for, for sure for big pieces for sure 
you, you definitely can. I don't know if I would say big pieces, but if you can get you can get an RB two or a wide receiver two in return, I think that's that's fantastic value, and and you you take that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. So, I kind of talked about the sell highs already a bit, but I think one mm-hmm. of the one sell high, of course, is Aaron. It's got to be Aaron Rodgers. You see, I don't think he's a sell. I, I think. It, well, why it would really... you trade him? For if you have a better, if you have a good option, you could trade him. But like, you shouldn't right. be trading him anyway. No, 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 no. I if if you have Aaron Rodgers, you are not trading him unless the offer that you get is absolutely extraordinary. That's the only way you would trade Aaron Rodgers because his schedule the rest of the way is so good. We just saw, we just saw. Russell Wilson completely carve up Philadelphia. The Detroit Lions just got carved up by Deshaun Watson. The Panthers are not great, and he will be at home for that matchup. He'll be at home versus Tennessee as well. I mean, there is, honestly, honest to God, there is not a single offer on planet Earth that I would be taking right now for Aaron Rodgers, unless it's netting me a top five running back. And I'm yeah. not saying that's an expectation that I have. I'm just saying that is something that would be required would for be me to part with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Honestly, that would be like a, that would be one of the prereqs for getting rid yeah. of Aaron Rodgers would be getting a Derek, getting like a Derrick Henry or yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it is the value that I would expect because Aaron Rodgers is a guy that will be starting for me in playoff matchups. He is not coming out of my lineup the rest of the way. He's just not. No, he definitely isn't. Um, anybody else who you would think is an actual sell high and not one of those uh, so-so kind of guys? Um, this kind of goes in line with uh, redraft not necessarily uh, dynasty or keeper leagues where you're obviously not going to be selling high on him, but Justin Herbert is one I was that I that think too, actually. I would be trying to sell high on. Uh, his matchups are pretty good the rest of the way at home versus New England, at home versus Atlanta, at Las Vegas, and then at home versus Denver. Uh, New England pass defense has proven to be a tough uh, proposition for opposing quarterbacks to try and break down going cross country uh, too going cross country as well well the, the patriots are it's, it's yeah in, no that's uh, what in, i mean yeah, yeah it's, it's in, in los SoFi. angeles yes it's in sofi um atlanta the atlanta defense has really come back to life a little bit they had a really really nice showing against the las vegas raiders on sunday so that could be a tougher matchup than it potentially looks on paper uh las vegas is very hot or cold and same goes for uh, the Denver Broncos, who they have the potential to be a uh, a problem for for Justin Herbert. But I think again, it comes down it comes down to price. If you're getting something that is a position of need, then you make that deal. You make that deal, and you get rid of Justin Herbert. But you have to go and make sure that you have a backup plan in place. I mean, that's the Raider. This Raiders team could be a team in free fall by the time that. Uh, the Chargers come, in, come into uh, Elysian Stadium. You know, they definitely could be. They definitely could be. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me one bit. Can you imagine if they, they lose next week? Oof. I can give you, I can give you one more um, sell high 
if you would like me to. I would. And I'll keep I'll keep it brief before we move on to the running backs. Uh, Ryan Tannehill. That's a good one. That's a very great, good one. great, great sell high. Uh, his matchups coming up are very good. Cleveland, Jacksonville, Detroit, Green Bay. Yep. So I think you can get pretty good value on someone like Ryan Tannehill if you were to, uh, to go and trade him. And he was not drafted in a lot of places, so odds are you can get a pretty decent return for Tannehill. And I would assume that you have a good enough quarterback, at least on your bench, where you can immediately call him up, such as a Matt Ryan maybe or Tom Brady perhaps, or maybe even an Aaron Rodgers. And you've had Aaron Rodgers and Ryan Tannehill, and you've been playing that game all year. Oh, that's know, fun. That'd be a great problem to have. Yes. Uh, like, also, like if you have Aaron Rodgers and Big Ben, that's another great problem. Aaron yeah. Rodgers, Tom Brady. Tom First Brady, Big Ben. Yeah. It's great, 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 great problem to have. Uh, one thing also about Ryan Tannehill is that depending on what kind of league you're in, you might not even have to trade for him because he's available. He's actually owned in less leagues than, uh, than Matt Stafford. He's owned in 56.6% of leagues. Tannehill is. Uh, so I would assume he's owned in probably 12 teams or deeper is where he's where he's owned. And then if you're talking, you know, keeper and dynasty leagues, I would assume that Tannehill is pretty much owned that are 10 teams. Yeah. All right. In terms of, of redraft, redraft leagues, I would say that he is probably where he's most available. And then 18 leagues, I'm sure he's available. Yeah. Because I mean, in our 10 team league, Matt Stafford is available. He's on the waiver wire. Right. So well, worth he, will, he will be available. In a lot of places, because that Lions team is is a mess. Yeah. All right, the running backs. This is where it gets more interesting, uh, as it always is with fantasy. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have player. You have like obvious buy lows. You have Christian McCaffrey, James Conner, uh, Todd Gurley, who was out this week surprisingly with that knee issue, the arthritis. Anybody else really for you? Chris Carson, maybe, although he had a good game against Philadelphia. These are these are by lows. Yeah. Uh David Montgomery. Yeah. Ooh, David Montgomery is. I mean, yeah. Yeah, his schedule, his schedule the rest of the way is fantastic. Same with Allen Robinson. We'll get to receivers in a minute. Um came back Packers, in a good way. In yeah. A big way. The Packers, Lions, Texans, Vikings. Jaguars, Packers, of course, just played and had, had a great game against the Packers. So, Lions, Texans, Vikings, Jaguars. Next oh four weeks, if you're playing in uh, in uh, Week 16 championships, you get the Jaguars Week 16. That's just that's terrific. Yeah, it really, really, really is. And so, Week 17 against Green Bay at yeah, home. At home, at home, we just carved up. So, yeah, David Montgomery is a uh, is a great buy low and. I mean, I would even have even recommended Latavius Murray, if especially especially if you owned Alvin Kamara. But after what he just did to the Denver Broncos, I think Latavius Murray. We'll be talking about him especially to sell high, especially to the person that owns Alvin Kamara. Oh yeah, um, um, Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert could be a good buy low. Yeah, he he, he could he could be a good buy low. Uh, Jamal Williams, great buy low. Oh, and that's he, fascinating. That is he, fascinating. He has sta- I believe that he has standalone value by himself, especially in deeper leagues, where you can plug him in and potentially flex him. He's a fantastic buy low, and anybody who has Aaron Jones needs to be going and trying to get him 
I swear, I feel I feel like the Aaron Jones owner is gonna feel like he has to pay like a king he or she's gonna have to pay a king's ransom for Jamal Williams as a handcuff. Put it this way. Put it this way. If you are the owner of Jamal Williams and you are dealing with the owner of Aaron Jones, do not give him up for anything that is close to over exuberant value. Yeah. Make that Aaron Jones owner pay for their sins. And that is drafting Aaron Jones and not drafting Jamal Williams. That is and a not picking crime up in amongst Williams. itself. And not even picking up Jamal Williams up to this point also. Correct. Because I could say that I've seen him on, out of all the leagues that I'm in, I feel like I've seen him on waiver, on waiver wire and on, uh, you could just go and pick him up at least 25, 30 times. He's one of those classic guys that is available on waivers and nobody picks him up. And then when he does something, he gets picked up and then he's dropped again in a week or two. It's classic, classic. I see it all the time. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah. And then I also have, I also have one more buy low for the running back position. And this is a very specific niche for a lot of people, but Mike Davis, and this is, reaching out to the owners of Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Mike Davis's time in the sun is done. Christian McCaffrey will be back in week 14 after the Panthers week 13 bye. Go trade for Mike Davis. Do it. Well, you probably and get the more. Owner, you probably get, you have to pay less for it because Mike Davis isn't playing next week. See, it's possible especially if you're dealing with someone that is barely on the cusp of the playoffs and they have Mike Davis, then possibly you're talking about getting a potential value in terms of giving up somebody that he could use to start next week. But if you're dealing with someone that's in the playoffs and will be there and they know you'll be there as well, it may be tougher to do. Because they know that they have, they have a lottery ticket. They have Mike Davis, so it's probably going to be a tougher negotiation for the person that owns Christian McCaffrey. Whereas the owner for Mike Davis is really in a position of strength, where they can go and they can say, you know what, I know you have McCaffrey. It's going to take a lot for me to give up Mike Davis. So lay something on the table. Yeah, unfortunately, we could we didn't mention. Uh... We couldn't mention Austin Eckler because he he had a great game uh, last week. Right. But. That 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 period to buy low on Austin Eckler went probably two three weeks ago when it was rumored that he was going to be coming back sooner rather than later. One interesting thing to note about another running back that you could potentially buy low on, but this is really for teams that are going to be in the playoffs, is Joe Mixon, who mm. uh, Ian Rappaport, your favorite NFL Network reporter, Ian. Uh, he said that the Bengals believe that Joe Mixon will be ready to return from IR in week 14 against the Cowboys. Okay. Yeah. That's good news for anybody that owns Joe Mixon. Yeah. So there you go. You got that. Um, anybody else? I feel like you, you have the running backs on IR where you also have like Miles Gaskin who would – whose window to return opened last week. Um, but he didn't, he just didn't come back. Yep. <laughs> he could come back uh, next week 
against uh, I fuck I don't even know who the Dolphins are playing, but he can come back next week. This week? Yeah, this week. This week they're playing the Bengals. Right. So yeah, this week they're playing the Bengals. Interesting. That's an old school rivalry matchup: Dolphins Bengals from the seventies. Wonderful. And eighties. Absolutely wonderful. Damarino versus Booma. Booma. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I had to get off the podcast. I had to turn on WFAN, New York's number one sports radio station. Listen to Booma and Geo. Unfortunately, Booma and Geo is over. It's actually Moose and Maggie on right now. Oh, it's Moose and Maggie on right now? Oh, my goodness. All right. So then maybe I have to wait for Evan and Carton. Movie reviews with Carton and Roberts. <laughs> Show was very weird. They had cheesecake actually last week. And I had, they had Oreo cheesecake at work. Oh my on. On Wednesday when I was there. It was it was amazing. I loved it. Oh, oh my on. Um anyway, so talking about sell highs. Where do you what do you have? Who do you have as a as a potential sell high? Todd Gurley. You think Todd Gurley is a sell high? Yes. Yes. He was out this week. Based on what he's done recently, I think he's a sell high. I'm not going to say his return is going to be substantial, but I would be looking to get out of Todd Gurley. I think I've been talking about that now for the last month and a half. You know, his past, wait, what do you mean? He, what do you mean? What has he done? He, four weeks ago was 20, was the game against Detroit. Right. Recent, his last four games or his last four weeks was mm-hmm. 10.6, 13.5. Yeah. Uh-huh. Bye. Yeah, three point nine. Okay. It's so, a sell high. It's a sell high. I'm not saying. I'm not saying you know go get your expectations to be a top fifteen wide receiver. I'm saying sell high in terms of get the hell out of Todd Gurley. Get out of that mess. Get anything that you possibly can. Trade Todd Gurley for Joe Mixon. Trade Todd Gurley for James Conner. Trade Todd Gurley for if you have hell if you have Aaron Jones and you also have Todd Gurley and you have somebody else. Trade Todd Gurley for fucking Jamal Williams. Take yeah, the I loss mean, on that, but get your handcuff and done. Get out of Todd Gurley. I am pleading with you. No, you're right. I just, I'm just, yeah, I'm just confused as the way with the way you're using the term "sell high." Because sell like, high isn't necessarily getting it. It's not necessarily getting the most out of your return and not getting you know the seismic return. Sell high in this instance is saying get something that can help your team. I thought it was – I'm thinking it's just like capitalize on a player's immediate value and – it has, it has several yeah. connotations. It has several connotations. Sell high could be anything that you want it to be. Where in this instance, like, Listen, like this I'm is saying, not religion here. We're talking this – is, this is facts. But look, <laughs> if, you, if, you have, if you have Aaron Jones, if you have Christian McCaffrey and – you also have Todd Gurley, and you have someone else on your roster. Say you, ha- say you went out of your way and you drafted Jonathan Taylor, or you drafted someone like Kareem Hunt. You drafted Kareem Hunt in the eighth round after you took Todd Gurley, after you took McCaffrey, number one overall. Trade Todd Gurley, get Mike Davis, and you plug Kareem Hunt into one of your starting running back spots, and you have Mike Davis, and you're covered. Honestly, Done. I feel like Todd Gurley would probably be your flex at that point on that team. Well, but, but that's that's the point. 
is no, yeah, he's, an, you know, he's a, a surplus. That's what it is. Yeah. You're able to be flexible in ways that will actually be able to help out other parts of your team. Because then what happens if Christian McCaffrey goes down? Then you have to rely on Todd Gurley, which you don't want to do. No, yeah, you're right. But if you, tra- if you trade for Mike Davis, if, you have, if you're the McCaffrey owner and you have Gurley and you trade him for Mike Davis, guess what? You're out of a shitty, terrible situation with Gurley. You're out of that. You have your handcuff for McCaffrey in Mike Davis, where if something, God forbid, happens to Davis again, or to, to Davis, to McCaffrey again, you have Davis now ready to go to fill that spot, and you're done. So, and at the end of the day, too, you're in this spot because you've been active on waiver wire, you've done all the due diligence you've needed to do, and now you're in a position where you have a strong enough team if something were to happen, where you have cover in that certain spot. So, at the end of the day, this is more about making sure that you are protected in every single area of your team. And someone like Todd Gurley, who has name value, is on a good enough team where he can return some value and will help your team, your fantasy team, get you what you want in terms of trying to meet your objectives, which is, of course, winning a championship. Getting to the playoffs is really nice. You've completed the first part of the exam. Well done. Now it's about doing smart things, doing the necessary things that you need to do to get towards winning a championship this year. And one of those things is making sure that you are protected in case your number one guy goes down. Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. We just have, yeah, just two different, two different ways of thinking about it. Because What else is now? Yeah, I know, right? Well, we wouldn't be a good co-hosting tandem if we didn't differ. If we agreed we on everything. Yeah, no, we would be too. The show, the show would be boring. It really we, would be. If we agreed on everything. Um, one player that is a sell high, at least in my, my definition of it, has to be Antonio Gibson at this point. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Um, where Antonio Gibson had an, an amazing game. Yes? Uh, we have some breaking news. Um, and this actually, we'll be talking about this player very, very shortly. And I was going to actually mention him as one of my buy lows, but it's not going to happen now. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is scheduled to come off the COVID reserve list, and he will be active week 13 against the Buffalo Bills. Well, that is exciting. Yep. Good news for anybody that owns Brandon Ayuk, such as myself. Yep. So, like I was saying, uh, Antonio Gibson had a great game on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys. You know that he's not going to replicate that verbatim. You know, it's not going to actually – he's not going to score three touchdowns every game. But I think that for a player that's desperate for running back help, um, where you have, let's say, you drafted uh, Leonard Fournette or something, thinking that he was going to be the number one option for Jacksonville. And he wasn't, and he got cut. And now he's in a, in a supporting role with, uh, with Tampa Bay. Or you drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round, and you thought that he was going to have a really good season, but he ended up disappointing. Somebody like Antonio Gibson is, a, you know, is an attractive offer for them just because he is a, a running back with a heartbeat that does well. Well, here's how I also think about it. And Antonio Gibson is a very good one because 
odds are you have two other running backs that have gotten you to this point as well as Antonio Gibson. Let's say you drafted Alvin Kamara. Let's say you potentially drafted someone in the mold of James Conner, or maybe you drafted someone like a, like a Nick Chubb, you know, let's say you drafted one of those guys. Antonio Gibson could be the third or fourth running back that you had drafted coming out of your draft, or maybe he was not drafted at all. Well, considering that we thought that Darius Geis was going to be the running back in Washington. Right. Maybe, maybe Antonio Gibson was just picked up off of uh, off of waivers and you've been able to ride him up to this point. Maybe you had, you were able to have Antonio Gibson. Maybe you picked up James Robinson and you have one of those guys like Kamara, Connor Chubb, like I mentioned, you're in a great position where you can turn one of those assets into something very sizable. Let's say you have a hole at wide receiver. Let's say you have a hole at potentially tight end. Let's say you have a hole at quarterback. You could take one of those players, one of those running backs, and turn them into something really nice. I think if you can trade a Antonio Gibson for a Darren Waller, I would do that. If you could trade Antonio Gibson and maybe something else for a Travis Kelsey, you can get away with that. And you could still have two really good running backs that can carry you to the promised land while also having arguably the safest, most consistent thing in fantasy football. That is Travis Kelsey. That is, if you can manage to get Travis Kelsey for Antonio Gibson. And something else. And something else. But still, that would be a, a haul. That would be amazing. Like if you could trade Antonio Gibson and James Robinson for Travis Kelsey. I'd take that. I think it's a fair deal. I think it's a think very it, fair deal. I think, it, yeah, I think it's a fair deal too. Because you already have, in this example, you have Kamara and you have Chubb. Gibson and Robinson are rotating in and out of your flex spot. You trade both of them for Kelsey. Boom, done. And now this is also contingent on what you, what you would then have at wide receiver. You know, if you need more wide receiver help, then maybe you're trading just one of them for a wide receiver. Then you're leaving one of Robinson or Gibson in your flex spot or whatever it may be. And then you have another wide receiver that you can go and play around with. So there are a ton of options, but Adam, that's a great one. Antonio Gibson is a very, very, very good one. Um, I have two more that I want that I want to, uh, to talk about. I mean, about. James Robinson, we also talked about is also a candidate as a sell high as well. Yeah, he definitely could be. Definitely could be. I don't know if I would, because I think his, I think he, his usage is just so consistent. It would take a really, really, really drop dead offer for me to want to go and sell uh, high on James Robinson. The two guys, though, that I think everyone should be thinking about trying to sell high on, especially if they are out of the picture and they are in keeper and dynasty leagues, that is Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, I was on the record on yesterday's program saying that Derrick Henry is a league winner. So what I mean by that is you trade him, Derrick Henry is a guy that could get you 25, 30 points every single week, and you're winning a championship at the end of this. He is that kind of player, and that is what I think most people don't understand is you look at the schedule that Derrick Henry has the rest of the way. It's terrific. You look at the usage that he gets, outstanding. His knack for finding the end zone is is probably one of the best in, in that the National Football League. So if you're in a position where you are selling and you have one of these players and you are in a position to sell, 
you can get an absolute haul for Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry. Now, what would that haul be, especially in keeper and dynasty leagues? I would think at the very least. Draft picks, first round picks. You, you would, I don't even know if it would be a first round pick. I would say at the very least you would need a late second, early third round pick to start, to even start the conversation on one of them. I would say you would need someone that would provide very nice keeper value. So if you can get Antonio Gibson out of that, great, because odds are he was drafted later on in drafts in, in keeper and dynasty leagues. So he could he gives you long-term value. And if you can get another piece that is a that is a young up-and-coming player, such as a maybe you try and take a snag at CeeDee Lamb, maybe try and take a snag at Jerry Judy, so someone of that mold, you do it. You do it, but make sure that you capitalize on the draft pick compensation. That's the most important part part of that. Yeah, no, you're right. You're definitely right. Um, I mean, you have a situation where Alan Kamara and Dalvin, I mean, uh, Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry are averaging 20 and 25 points a game from a fantasy yeah. perspective. Yeah. And they're ranked two and three in ESPN fantasy. And Alvin they, Kamara, weirdly, is ranked number one. But yeah, it's they are, pretty gross. They are of no use to you if they are just going to be sitting on your roster all offseason and keeper and dynasty leagues where you don't have much future prospects. So the best way that you can turn a losing team now into a winning team in two or three years' time is collecting on future assets and doing that. So I think it's very important between now and whenever your deadline is, go and do what you need to do to get a hold of several, several top quality assets. That's the best way to go and do it. Yeah, no, definitely. And if, and if you're in a keeper or a dynasty league, remember, you are not in a position right now where you necessarily have to sell because you can wait until the offseason and you can sell then. You can 100% do that. But right now, that this is when, in season, this is when these players' values will be at their highest because in the offseason, you're going to see questions about Dalvin Cook and what his contractual status is going to be like. Will he be back in Minnesota? You're stuck with Dalvin Cook in your roster, and you don't know whether or not he's going to be part of the Vikings next year. His value is only going to go down. So do yourself a favor. Do what you need to do to try and construct a trade that can help your team in the long run for players such as Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry that you can get rid of right now. If you have them, do not trade them. If you, also, are, if you have a winning record, that is, yes. and you're in the playoffs, do not trade them. But also, if you are oh, in a position where you're <laughs> struggling, trade them. Get assets while you can. Do what you need to do. Also, Go ahead, Adam. I, I didn't mean to, uh, to cut you off there. I apologize. It's okay. Um, also, yeah, people, I think we've always been worried about Derrick Henry's usage. And it's, been, mm-hmm. it's kind of an ongoing thing. It's a looming sure. problem where sure. you can't be – they don't make them like they used to, where you, you're going to have Derrick Henry getting 30 carries a game, 27 carries a game, 25 carries a game and expect him to have the same sort of production. Sure. 
And that's something that in two years, maybe you can have, you could be seeing Derrick Henry in a position that we see somebody like Todd Gurley or David Johnson or uh, just like, or Lev Bell even like big name running backs who are lower on the totem pole than, than they used to be. Sure. And it really come, it really comes down Adam to knowing when to sell and knowing when to get rid of guys. You may not have a better time than right now to sell Derrick Henry coming off of a four-touchdown day. Three-touchdown. Three-touchdown day. Excuse me. Still. You may not have a better time to sell Derrick Henry coming off of a three-touchdown day. Or Dalvin Cook. You may not have a better time to sell either one of them than you have right now if you are in a keeper or a dynasty league and you have a team that is struggling. This is the time to act. Do what you need to do to get it done. Get assets that can help you down the line. Yeah, Please, I mean, honestly, I beg you. Dalvin Cook could be in the situation, in the same situation with the usage. I mean, he's he's had. 25, 30 carries, 27, 22 over this year, over this year. And yeah, it's it's kind of nuts what's going on here. Yeah, and, and if if you're smart and you're the owner of Dalvin Cook and you also have Alexander Madison, put them in a package deal together because they just become that more valuable. Yeah. Also, it's kind of hard to believe that Dalvin Cook suffered a an ACL tear only a couple of years ago. Yeah. It was rookie year. I had him then. That was the, that was the last time I owned Dalvin Cook. Yep. I remember that you, it was like somebody died when you walked into the studio for the required radio fantasy show. Yep. yep. Although, actually, I didn't think we were doing the fantasy show at that point. But when I saw you in class, it was like somebody died. <laughs> yep. Because I was trying to, figure, trying to figure out what the, what the hell to do with my, uh, my life. You still won a championship that year, you bastard. <laughs> I did. You bastard. You bastard. All right. You bastard. Um, wide receivers. Uh, this is also very interesting where you have uh, some underperforming wide receivers, uh, some that you drafted very, very high that have not done it for you. I can think of one. I'm sure you're thinking of the same person. Yep. Uh, that guy. His name is Can't Guard Mike. <laughs> his name may actually uh... – Rhyme with uh, Lykel Domus. Is that his name? Actually, is I can probably guard Mike. <laughs> uh, his name may actually be Michael uh, Comus. Does that name potentially ring a bell? Yes, it's a very weird name, but yes, Michael Wamus. <laughs> anyway, Michael Zamus. All right, all right. How many more fucking consonants can you put in front of? In front of Michael Thomas's name. <laughs> I can't think of too many. Jekyll Bomas? I figured you were gonna you were gonna put Jay in front of there because I was looking at Julio Jones at the same time. Uh Julio Jones honestly mm, now he's not really a buy a buy low, but Michael Thomas can be a buy low for some people. I think Julio could be a buy low. I really do. Julio could be a a, a good buy low where you can get him for less than market value would uh would potentially suggest i think that could be 
a potentially a uh, a good one. Uh, the Rams receivers as well, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. I think you can make a case for Robert Woods being a very good sell high, and you can make a very good case for Cooper Cup being a good buy low, and vice versa, really, because they just sort of go back and forth, you know, with like the tide in terms of uh, when they decide to uh, have good weeks and when they decide to have bad weeks. So if you want to get out of that, that could be a uh, a good avenue to sort of go down. Uh, Kenny Galladay. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic by low. Yeah, no, definitely. Absolutely. He's going to come back any moment now. I, get, I can feel it. There's hope from what I understand that Kenny Galladay could be coming back uh, this week against uh, Chicago. Listen, if he plays against Chicago, it's going to be a tough game for him if he plays against Chicago, though. Cause yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, although Eddie Jackson pissed- got burned. Yeah, that'll be a pissed off Chicago Bears defense stuff. Yeah, it's true. And here's sure, a yeah. Here's a buy low. And you may not have to because he's only owning fifty one point four percent of leagues. Adam, if you have him up on your screen, you know exactly where I'm going with this. So uh, I apologize in advance, but it is I Corey Davis too. I I apologize too. Corey Davis, great, uh. great, great buy low. His schedule coming up is absolutely delicious. Cleveland, Jacksonville, Detroit, Green Bay. I'd be more mad at you, but I agree with you. Fantastic by low. And I was I was going to say focus on AJ Brown, but Corey Davis is still really good too. And I was going to say Brandon Ayuk. I was going to say Brandon Ayuk is a great by low. Maybe maybe there's a chance that the owner of Brandon Ayuk doesn't know that he's coming back this week and maybe you could swing a trade for him right now. Potentially but I, I doubt it. I highly, highly, highly doubt it. But it has to be quick when you do it because yeah, it has it's to be. gonna, because they're going to find out. Yep. Um, sell high? Sell high. Oh, oh there God. Are, there are a lot. There are a lot, yeah. I mean, you had, this is a big week for receivers, and honestly, it's been a big season for receivers. Yeah, it's been a very big year for receivers. It really, really has. Adam Thielen. I think is a great sell high. I mean, especially if you believe that Adam Thielen's coming back this week, if there's confirmation that Adam Thielen's coming back this week, he could be a fantastic, fantastic sell high. AJ Brown. His schedule, his schedule coming up does get does get a little bit tougher though. Uh, week 13 plays Jacksonville. Great, great for him. So if you can, if you know he's coming back and you could sell Adam Thielen based off the fact that he's playing Jacksonville this week, fantastic. Do it. Because then he plays Tampa, Chicago, and then New Orleans. Two of those three are on the road, Tampa and New Orleans. So, well, Tampa just be... got burned by Tyreek Hill. Correct. Correct. So, it's look, it's not a guarantee that it, that a sell high is is going to necessarily work out. Where Adam Thielen's going to be terrible, he's not going to be terrible. He's in a good enough offense where odds are they're going to continue to produce. But if you can get something for Adam Thielen that is worth selling high on, you do it. Like if you could trade, you could trade Adam Thielen, and you could get a AJ Brown and a running back in return. You do that. Yeah, you one hundred percent do that. Yeah, I mean, I think AJ Brown is in is a sell high, also. Frankly, yep, yep. I Adam, I I agree with you. I agree with you as much as we were talking about. Corey Davis being a buy low, I think A.J. Brown could be a sell high. I totally agree with you. 
I mean, aside from that stinker against Indianapolis the first time at home, mm-hmm. he's had double-digit fantasy points all year, except for the only times he hasn't had double-digit fantasy points where he's played was week one at Denver and week 10 uh, at home against Indianapolis. Here's one for you, and this is going to hurt my soul saying this. Amari Cooper. <laughs> well, you're right. A awesome sell high if you can get something for him yeah now what that return would look like if you can get an upgraded receiver that'd be great like if you're trading amari cooper for an aj brown that's fantastic if you're trading an amari cooper for terry mclaurin that's very good if you're trading an amari cooper for somebody like a I was going to say Will Fuller, but that's not happening anymore. <sighs> I mean, I guess this goes back to buy low, but if you want to trade Amari Cooper for Michael Thomas, that's a very interesting one, actually. That is very interesting. That is an, wow. I, you know, you know what happened? You know, when you say something and it just comes out as a conversation piece, but then it, it just sits in your head and you're just like, Wow, that's a fucking tough one. Yeah. That's hard. I don't know. If someone offered me, if I had Amari Cooper and someone offered me Michael Thomas. Straight? Are you straight? Now, God. Would you, would, you call that, would you call that now a selling high on Amari Cooper? Or are you buying low on Michael Thomas? Oh, boy. That's an interesting one well that is one of those things where you say it and then you think about it and you're like oh actually <laughs> I, I mean i think i would do that from the view of an amari cooper owner if you're I getting michael thomas if you're getting michael thomas and you're trading amari cooper i mean look Taysom hill is throwing the ball to michael thomas the worst that can happen is drew Brees comes back and you have michael thomas now with drew Brees who set the single-season record for receptions last year with Drew Brees as his quarterback, correct? Correct. You're trading away Amari Cooper, whose quarterback right now is Andy Dalton, for a guy who set the single-season record for receptions last year. I mean, yeah. I, I, think, think, it's, I think it's a fantastic one. I mean, that's a, that's a really tricky one. Well, that's something where I think – I don't know if I would do it straight up. I would have to see – it's such a cop-out answer that I'm about to give you, but it's one of those where like, I want to see where the rest of my team is and see if there are other pieces that, that you could put in, in this trade. From the Michael Thomas owner perspective, I wouldn't do it. But from the Amari Cooper owner perspective, I would do it. Yeah. Um, one other uh, sell high I think also is Mike Evans. Adam, any of the Tampa Bay receivers. You could throw them all in there. Would you sell high on Antonio Brown? Yes. Well, yep. I want to get out of Antonio Brown, but I don't think anybody would, would pay top dollar for him. No, no. You're selling high on Antonio Brown in relation to what his value is. And his, his value right now is a low-end wide receiver too. His value is his name. That's His, his that's value is his, his name. That's his only value at this point. It may require you to pair something else with Antonio Brown, but if you can – 
say Antonio Brown and Chris Carson for a Terry McLaurin, fine. Fine. You do that. Actually, if yeah. You could, if you could do, here's an offer for you. Chris Carson and Antonio Brown for Terry McLaurin and Miles Gaskin. Would you do that? From the, from the perspective of owning Antonio Brown. If you are offered that deal, Carson and Brown for McLaurin and Gaskin. I think I would just to get out of Antonio Brown. And if I'm optimistic that Miles Gaskin will come off of IR for real mm-hmm. against, yeah, against Cincinnati, and you're getting Tyron McLaurin, who has been amazing this season at receiver, then yeah, yeah. I, would t- I would do that trade. I would do that in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, I would do that. That's a good trade, yeah. From the perspective of the Antonio Brown owner. Yes, yes if I'm getting do that Tara McLaurin and uh, Miles Gaskin. For the other side, I don't think I would do that trade. No. No, I, I don't think I – I mean, I see the upside with it because you're probably – you could make a case that the best player in that deal is Chris Carson. So you can make the case that you're saying, oh, I'm getting the best player in the deal in Chris Carson, which is fine. I, I would hear it. You know, other people would say Terry McLaurin, but you want to say it's Chris Carson? Fine. Fine. I, I, think, I think it's a win for, for both sides, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah, I, I just, it's just one of those things where, I don't know, you're trading away two good, two good assets to maybe get one really good asset that has actual value at that point. You're, right. probably, you're, getting, you're getting a solid asset and then, fairy, and then magic beans. Basically. Fair. Fair. Which I is crazy. I can respect that take. It's, it's kind of crazy to think that Antonio Brown at this point is magic beans, but he is. He's magic mm-hmm. beans. You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Don't trade your cow for magic beans. <laughs> Don't do it. If you traded your cow for magic beans, you must own cable. Switch to DirecTV. <laughs> no uh, free advertising. No free advertising. I'm Eli Manning with DirecTV. I'm Eli Manning with cable. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we, we, we've come to the final, to the finale. Yeah. Tight ends. As far as uh, by lows, I mean, you got to put Zach Ertz here as a by low. I would avoid him at all costs. I would avoid him like the fucking plague. Hell no. Hell no. Stay away. Unless you're trading for him for pennies. Like if you're trading. That's what a buy low is. You're buying low. Well, I'm not even talking. It would need to be basically bottom of the barrel for me to even consider trading for Zach Ertz. Like if it's, if it's Duke Johnson for Zach Ertz. I would do it. That kind of player. Well, he, he might be coming back next week against Green Bay. If you, if you were the owner of Hunter Henry, would you offer Hunter Henry for Zach Ertz? No. If you were the owner of Eric Ebron, would you, would you offer Eric Ebron for Zach Ertz? No. If you owned Austin Hooper, would you offer Austin Hooper for Zach Ertz? No. Okay, we're outside the top 12 tight ends now. If you are... Well, that's not what I mean. No, you're not... 
If you are the owner of C.D. Lamb, are you offering C.D. Lamb for Zach Ertz? Ooh, I don't think I would be. I would not. No shot. If you're the, if you're the owner of Curtis Samuel, would you offer Curtis Samuel for Zach Ertz? Maybe. I would. I think I would. Me personally, I would. But that's, that's the kind of value we're talking about. You're talking a player that is sort of flex level that you would be trading for Zach Ertz. Do not do it. It does not end well for anybody. Well, I think that's, it's a scenario where you could be getting – you could be paying for Zach Ertz. You could be paying like subterranean market value for Zach Ertz and potentially getting somebody that could come back and, and do something for you. There's like barely any risk involved. You're paying though for name value. That's the problem is you're paying for Zach Ertz based you're on ba- his name and allure. What has he done this year to say that he's worth a Curtis Samuel who has been terrific, who has been really good? Nothing. The answer is nothing. He hasn't. So are we saying that maybe Zach Ertz is worth a guy like Hunter Renfro? Henry Ruggs? Yeah. Christian Kirk? I mean – there is when you're trading for a player where the only thing you're trading for, at least in my eyes, is name value, that for me just screams no go. Stay please stay away from Zach Gertz. Stay away. I beg you. I beg you. If Zach Ertz comes back and he is good, I will come on this podcast and I will apologize. Okay. I guess it's like a mini bet that Adam and I have on the on how good Zach Ertz is going to be. Too bad we can't bet lunch anymore. Well, we could. I, could, I, can, come, I can come to Port Washington wearing a, wearing a mask or a hazmat suit and uh, drop off the next sandwich for you. <sighs> anyway, um, another buy low at tight end. I mean, maybe Johnny Smith? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a fine buy low. But I think the those, are, those are two guys you could potentially do a deal for. Actually, I don't know if I would do it from the Johnny point of view, from the Zach Ertz point of view, though. If someone offered you Johnny for Zach Ertz, I think I would do that. Yeah. I would, I would do Well, I mean, that, at that point, I'd be like, well, listen, I'm getting like semi guaranteed value for. Zach Ertz. True. No, you're right. Well, once again, magic beans. Magic beans. Yes. <laughs> um, anybody else who's a buy low, really? Uh, for the tight end position, Eric Ebron could be a good buy low. Hmm. I think that's it. In terms of obvious, obvious, obvious buy lows. I mean, Mark Andrews, if you want to call that a buy low. I was thinking could, about it, but well, I, like he's the I don't best. know if I would call that a buy low. He's really good. Yeah. He's I think at. that's more of a sell high. Yes, I agree with you. I think that's more of a sell high. 
would be Mark Andrews. See, swift transition into the, into the sell highs. Yeah. He's the uh, number five, the fifth ranked tight end in ESPN uh, fantasy leagues. So averaging 11 points per game, one of the better tight ends. I do think that Mark Andrews is a sell high, but obviously he's not going to help you in the immediate future. It just depends on what's going on with next Tuesday, frankly, because Mark Andrews is a high risk person for COVID Mm -hmm. because he is a type one diabetic. diabetic. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's the same thing with James Conner also, where you have to see what's going on with, uh, with them on the, on the list, because obviously you do not want to have a situation where you're trading for Mark Andrews and you want immediate help for the playoffs. And then you find out that Mark Andrews is not going to be activated off the COVID list. And you just a million percent correct Adam. And you just traded him for nothing. I couldn't have said that better myself. You're hundred percent right. You're 100% right. So, I mean, here's, here's a sell high. Here's a sell high. TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. I was going to say Robert Tunyon is also a sell high. Tunyon's a very good sell high. Yeah, for sure. If someone views him to be a potential top seven, top six tight end, yeah. Good sell high. Nobody's Evan better, Ingram? Yeah. Evan Ingram. Nobody's better at catching the wide open touchdown than Robert Tunyon. Are there any more uh, sell highs that you uh, you think we should be talking about? Evan Ingram. Yes, Evan, Evan Ingram, Ingram. We mentioned, yeah, yeah. Gronk. Yeah, yeah. That's like a combination of name value and also that he's been doing well this season. Correct. Correct. I think it's a it's a very 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 good one. Um, I think we just we probably just listed nine out of ten of the top tight ends on this segment in terms of whether we would trade them for so-and-so or so-and-so or so-and-so. It's the nature of the position. Yes, it is. Indeed. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's kind of it for that. So yeah. good luck to everybody with trades. Yes, good luck with your deadlines, everybody. And please, 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 please take, take this advice as gospel. Honestly, I think it would be a fun thing if we ended up getting like a lot of people sending in trades that they do that we could – that we could like talk about them on air because it's hard to make up trades on the spot. It's always, it's always easier when you have something right in front of you from two actual people. That's not, they're not us. So if you want us to review or look at a trade that you're thinking about doing, then send it to us. You can comment on our SoundCloud page. You can, I don't think we have an email set up or anything, but uh, you can text bird or Snapchat bird. If you know it, if you know his, uh, his email, phone number, Snapchat, whatever. Well, I could leave. I can leave all of our uh, all of our socials in the description. We can we can start doing that. Yeah. So if you have any any questions about fantasy advice or you have any trades that you want us to look at, then by all means, send it over. For sure. So with that being said, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes of not only this the Fantasy Show, but also the Vanilla Basement Talk Podcast, the Chris Fitational, and our new segment, The Debate. Very exciting stuff. On Thursday, we will be doing the waiver show, weirdly. Thursday show? Adam, have we ever done a Thursday show? No. I don't know. It's weird. I hate it. I hate it, too. <laughs> Thanks. I hate it. Where's the Monday, Tuesday, Friday schedule? I know. I miss it. I really do. need that back immediately. Um, Thursday, we're going to do the waiver show. And then Friday, we'll be doing our usual uh, preview for Sunday. 
So for my co-host, Ed Burtzell, I am Adam Castro. We'll talk to you next time on the Basin Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Bye-bye.